Welcome back to another episode of Mental Wellness Mondays, where your favorite podcast and your favorite therapist, Dr. Nurai and Two Broke Twimbos, bring you experts in the mental health field. We're here to help. And today we've got a special episode. We actually managed to find someone from Zim who's doing amazing work outside of Zim, but she has promised that she will come back if at least 5,000 of us send her an email. So listeners, <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown down. We need to spam her. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but yes, uh, we'd like to welcome new Davidson to the show. She's a sex educator and a couple's intimacy coach. Um, so first of all and foremost, thank you so much for joining us, new. Thank you, Phil. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So thank you so much for having me. No, no, no. We 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 are we are honored. We are honored. And and, and we we then like to ask, what is a sex educator, and why do we need them? I thought we we already covered this in in, in seventh grade in uh, at, at school. Really? Did did you did you really cover? They, they brought uh, the banana and everything, and then they showed us the documentary <laughs> about the person that, that caught AIDS, and then they told us bad bad, and and I, I thought that, that that's all we need to know. Basically, yeah. So the abstinence is key, and and um, yeah, be careful because it's dangerous. You'll fall pregnant and die. Is pretty much how my education went in school. So mm. yeah, sex educator is someone who kind of um, who really exactly that educates on sexual health and wellness and all that comes into the spectrum of sex. Because I think for many people, we've been um, educated on a very limited understanding of what sex is as a penetrative penis and vagina um, interaction. But sex is so much more than that. It is a huge spectrum and uh, there is a lot to discover in the spectrum of sex. And basically my job is to educate and guide people on investigating what sex means to them. Oh. Mm. How did you even start this journey? Um, I started a lubricant business, which is now hitting major retailers in South Africa called Liquid Gold Lube. Um, and I'm not sure if we're allowed to name things on the podcast. No, but go ahead. Hopefully it will be in, <laughs> hopefully it'll be available in pharmacies across Zimbabwe in the coming months. That is the goal because there is a very um uh, there's not great quality on the market as it is. So I started a lubricant business and that kind of pivoted me in a great uh, journey of discovering sexual health and wellness and how limited the knowledge around the use of lubrication and quality lubrication really was. Um, I've always been a huge uh, sex like geek. I love talking about it. I'm the person all my friends came to to talk about it. Um, it's not taboo for me. I kind of just say it as it is. And um, yeah, and I started in lockdown studying sexology. And that is where my passion has gone as I have entered this absolutely mammoth world that is sexual health and wellness. Mm. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Um, so uh, I don't want to cross any boundaries because my, my co-host is, is, is very conservative. He's, he's an incredibly conservative individual. Um, but I think I've, all our listeners, particularly those who are married, um, w- would benefit from something like this. And there was a question that we received. Um, we did put a, a call out 
And we did say we have a sexual um, therapist on. And there was one listener who was lamenting the fact that, um, to put it in short, because I'm also trying to remove a lot of the personal details. Um, before marriage, mm-hmm. him and his him and his wife were having a great, healthy old time. And now that they're married, they're now about a year and a half into the marriage, things have cooled off a little. Um, and he's struggling to find a way to, you know, get back to the old the older passion as it were. And mm-hmm. he's now worried that a, she might be cheating or does not find him attractive anymore. Um, and I think that that's pretty much the length and mm-hmm. breadth of the question. So if someone came with, with such a, a problem, how would you help them? So a great question to be addressing. Cause I think many, many of people can relate to that question. Um, so It starts, and you'll hear me say on a regular basis, communication is key. Mm -hmm. Starting a conversation in your relationship is essential. Continuing that conversation is even more essential. I think we get into, uh, many of people can get into ruts when we get comfortable, right? Nothing can grow from a space of comfort. So it's really about communicating to your partner, continually communicating with them where you are, what it is that you need, and what your desires are in that time as your lives uh, evolve because we as human beings evolve you can't expect to stay the same person um, and as you grow and evolve alongside each other you have to keep letting each other know where you are and what's going on and getting curious to ask questions with what does what do you want from me what are your needs um, and I think comfort really creates a great space of um, lack of effort so I know this isn't the comment that a lot of people are going to love. Relationships take work. You have to work at your relationship. If you are not prioritizing time, setting aside quality time to connect and get curious with your partner, to learn more about where they are and what's going on for them, that is where the the you know that is where things get stagnant um, and the desire starts to dwindle because we are waiting for the, uh, how do I put this? We're waiting for the, the passion, you know, the, the thing that we've been sold by Disney and multiple online stories of this, you know, you meet your one true love, you ride off into the sunset and happy ever after. It's meant to just be natural. Mm-hmm. It's natural to work hard. It's natural to have tale- uh, challenges in life. And it's natural to go through difficulties in your relationship. How you navigate those is completely up. Mm. Okay. Mm. So when you say relationships require work, what work could he, what actionable steps could he put in place to get the fire going again? Absolutely. Well, first thing first is to communicate to his partner that that's what he is desiring, that he's feeling like, uh, he wants um, a little bit more intimacy or whatever that may be that he is feeling like they're lacking in their relationship. Second actionable um, step that can be taken is to prioritize that time. So to schedule date nights, to get creative, to change things up, to set aside quality time and honor that, prioritize it. We don't prioritize that quality time because we just assume our partner will be there. We'll just assume it's going to be natural and assume that we're just going to 
have that passion. Um, assumption in my understanding and my world and my opinion is the killer of all desire. We cannot assume another person's anything because then you rob them of the opportunity to share what it is that they're feeling or share what it is that they desire um, or anything really. You rob them of the opportunity to express themselves. So never assume anything. Prioritize your time and, and ensure that you make the effort. It takes effort. Don't stop dating each other. Make sure that you keep things alive with some, with some you know, creative dates. And dates don't have to be expensive. Now, I know a lot of people might think, oh, you know, I just can't afford it this month. I can't do it. Oh, well, you know, the kids. Oh, well, oh, we've got to. Oh, but we're so busy. There's a million excuses. Uh, life will never stop coming at you. So it's important that you set aside and prioritize that quality time. And dates can be anything from having a picnic in your garden, have, giving each other a shoulder massage, playing a board game, listening to a podcast together, whatever it might be, um, watching a sunset somewhere. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be overly expensive. It's finding what you guys like to do together and start having fun and making effort. Um, yeah, that would probably be some actionable items, mm. I would say. Some actionable steps. I, I love that idea, especially that last suggestion of listening to podcasts together. I mean, yeah. not, nothing gets the <laughs> yeah, fire exactly. going. Like nothing gets the fire going like our terrible jokes. Mm. <laughs> Weird, weirdly enough, there, actually, there was, there, there was a... Dr. Nirai, do you remember this? There was another person that we brought on a couple of years back who suggested um, listening to something together. And then we joked about listening yes. to a podcast and then a listener message was like, yeah, that we actually listen to you guys in bed. And that was very disconcerting. Really, <laughs> really disconcerting. <laughs> well, it's, it's at least a conversation starter. I mean, you get to learn something and you get to you know, unpack and, and have a conversation about whatever it is that you're listening to, especially when you've got such a quality pod, podcast like that, right? <laughs> yes, I like that. You, you re, I, I think sometimes people think sex is just in the bedroom or, you know, once you're aroused, people don't realize that it starts way before that, right? It, it's how you interact during the day and, you know, are you holding hands? Are you kissing someone and not just wham, bam, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just even off that, just a caveat off that, if we look at statistically, obviously this is generic, right? So statistically, yeah, yeah. if we take heterosexual couples, statistically, the male is generally, and again, this is a broad spectrum generalization, doesn't mean it fits all boxes but generally yeah. speaking our the way our brains and our neurology works is often the male partner will um display um arousal by form of visual right so you're more visually stimulated that can be you can see a pair of uh, boobs or a body or someone who's attractive and be aroused whereas statistically mm -hmm. females often are the arousal begins with the because we're mentally aroused mentally and mm -hmm. emotionally aroused so the arousal and the foreplay essentially as we call it um that arousal begins from com from the compliment in the morning from bringing someone you know bringing her a cup of coffee from saying i really appreciate you thanks for cooking dinner um you know really 
all of those things, showing appreciation and validating all of those emotional and mental connections is the arousal. Mm -hmm. That's the beginning phase of really um, setting the tone uh, as such. Mm -hmm. True. I definitely understand that. I also have a personal grab. Once again, I I am a virgin, you know, um, but I've heard um, (laughs) my my close friends have confided in me these, these, these very troubling issues. They're dating mm-hmm. women in their thirties and they, they're not letting us sleep. Or, I mean them, they're not letting them sleep. So in an instance like that, how do you gently tell them I got work in the morning? How, uh, re, maybe rephrase the question so I, I can maybe understand a little so bit. So he's saying the women, the no. women are very much aroused and are have high libidos and are not letting their partners sleep because they want to go to round five, six, seven, eight, nine. And the dude is like, not that graphic, I gotta get doc, up in but the yeah, you, 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 you captured the, the energy of the question. I you captured mean, the gist. You captured the gist. <laughs> That sounds like a, a, you know, a kind of good problem to have. Um, But I get what, I mean, it's, it's, I suppose what a lot of people fantasize about having. And then when you have it, you're like, Ooh, okay. Tap out. This is a lot. Um, The stamina starts to dwindle, especially once you, I suppose, move past and through your thirties as the testosterone starts to decrease, uh, the libido starts to decrease. So, um, Again, it's communication. It's chatting to, it's saying to each other, oh, I am tapped out. I am done. Here's, you know, here's your toy. Knock, knock it out. Like, it's okay <laughs> to broaden that spectrum and be like, well, if you want to go, I'm tapped out. However, here's a tool that you can use. If you want to display, if you want to give me a show, or if you want to take this private, I can move, I can move, or you can go to the couch or it's really just having an open, honest conversation um, about where your boundaries and what your capacity is. And boundaries are something that I think are very underrated. And a lot of people don't implement enough boundaries um, because we don't want to hurt each other's feelings, especially someone we love, right? You don't want to hurt their feelings and risk that. So we, to the detriment of ourselves, allow our boundaries to slide to the side. Um, But actually that just is to the detriment of you, therefore leaving space for resentment to grow. Um, So yeah, having good boundaries and good communication. So got it. Go to the couch. Got it. (laughs) I mean, you could say it a little bit more eloquently. Um, Also, making sure that there is equipment that can be used, some good toys, you know, you're not alone. Here. Actually, wait, before we run afoul of the law, D- Dr. Nyerai, what is, the, what is the current legal status of toys? You know what? They're being sold here, but I don't know. I, I need to find out, but they, they are, seem to be, I see them on Instagram. There are a couple of places in Zimbabwe that are selling, so I don't know what the law is. We may have to check that out. Mm. Um, so the yeah. law in Zim, to my knowledge, is that it is still illegal to have a sexual uh, sexual device, as they call it. Um, yes. However, I do know a few people in other African countries who are actually just distributing them as um as medical devices, as medical enhancers, mm. because mm-hmm. essentially it could be used as a medical device. Um, I mean, there's, there's 
people are now prescribing, some doctors are prescribing masturbation as a form of um, anxiety and depression, uh, you know, mm. treatment as a option as well, obviously in conjunction with multiple other treatment options, but because of the chemicals and the dopamine that is released um, when one does climax, it, uh, it has been known and is increasing that quite a few therapists are referring and recommending more self-love mm. practices Okay, so there's a, there's yeah. another good excuse I'm going to use. The doctor said it's in my prescription. <laughs> doctor said I should. <laughs> yes, but, but there is some truth to that because in the early 1900s, doctors were were, were treating women with with that for hysteria. So, and j- judging by how yes. far back Zimbabwe yeah. is as a nation, I think we still are using 1920s medicine. So it it, it works out. It, it balances. <laughs> Of. The history on hysteria is a little bit more darker than that. It was more to treat the hysteria and get it out of women because they were so irate when they were hysterical. Mm. Um, now we've kind of grappled with the benefits of what um, what those happy hormones do to our brains. And we all need more happy hormones, especially now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, de- de- definitely. You, um, so yeah. my, you oh, sorry, Dr. Oh. Nair, go ahead. Okay, shoot. Um, knew you were talking about boundaries, right? And sometimes people have different experiences or adventurous nature. So just say you've got a, a couple, one is really adventurous and the other one is very quite cautious. How do you merge the two to to especially for the person who's cautious, for them to kind of get to the same level so that they there's mutual appreciation and benefits for both. So, you know, you're the cautious partner, you know, what would you say or do to that person so that they can learn to be a little more adventurous while still maintaining some level of boundaries? I don't know if that's me, if I'm making any sense in that. Absolutely. Um, And I think it's a great question because it does, it does highlight the bit, the, the power of boundaries. And so if we look at it and one partner is is really desiring something quite uh, kinky or something a little bit uh, out of the couple's norm, a little bit mm-hmm. more adventurous, as we say, um, and the other is is not really keen on it yet, it's having that conversation on getting curious as to what that looks like for that person. So if I'm, if I'm saying, if let's say say I'm in a relationship and I'm really into something, but my partner isn't, I'm going to bring it to the table and say, this is something I really want. Are you comfortable with it? If you are not comfortable with it, what would be okay for you? Do you Mm. mind if we start slowly? Do you mind if we just maybe, watch something that you educate ourselves on that particular thing a little bit more. Do you mind if we um, try something similar? Like what is your comfort zone? I think in the boundaries and specifically in a, in a sexual um, connotation, it's extremely important for us not to wait for consent, but to also ask for consent. So if you are wanting to put something on the table, you should be able to have a conversation around, really knowing that your partner and the person you want to perform this act with is a hundred percent a yes. Are they on board? Is this something that they consent to trying with you? And if they are not, 
It is then taking whatever it is that you wanted to try and molding it to a different version of it. Again, communication Mm. around navigating what that could look like uniquely to you. You don't have to go from one end to the other, not to a hundred. Maybe you got to take a few small steps to begin with and eventually get there. If that's something that again is on the table, Mm. if it's not on the table, then obviously you have to respect your partner's boundaries and knowing that's not something that they're into. Mm. Okay. So thank you. Anecdotally, I think, um, in that vein, I have noticed that both men and women, they struggle with saying no or doing something or saying something that they feel is going to disappoint their partner. Um, and they, they might get a little anxious about saying, A, I want something and they fear rejection or B, uh, like in this example, I'm not okay with that. And they're now worried, oh, if I'm not okay with it, will that make my partner reject me or will they end up finding someone else? What are some of the healthy mechanisms you would advise people to adopt to address topics that in that nature where they're not comfortable yet doing something? Oh, love this question. Um, so one of the greatest, so sometimes, you know, talking about sex isn't easy for most people. I am in the sexual health and wellness world, and I can tell you for myself and many of my colleagues that it's still a tough conversation to have with our very own partners. Why? Because it's, um, you know, decades of how we've been scripted and, and, and the narrative in which we've been taught. However, a great tool, so the yes and the no sometimes feel a little bit big, right? They feel quite heavy to drop on. One tool that I do um, advocate for and try with, uh, you know, with my clients is you can always just say, I listened to this podcast, heard this super interesting person talk about this topic. What do you think? Or I read this Instagram post. I want to show it to you. What do you think? Have you ever heard of this? Have you ever seen that? Oh, my gosh. Did you see that this thing that I saw on the news was X, Y, Z? So it's almost like using a device of where you found it or where you got that idea from, even if you didn't get it from there, it's still saying, oh, well, I had this idea or I saw this thing. What do you think? Again, getting curious to put it on the table. Then you can gauge before putting yourself on the chopping block as such, if that's what you're fearing, rejection, before putting it on the chopping block, you're gauging what your partner kind of thinks around it. It's starting a conversation because if I said, oh, I read, I listened to this great podcast and they started talking about lubricant. Have you, what are your thoughts on lube? Have you ever used it before? That opens a conversation if I'm wanting to introduce lubricants to seeing what my partner's stance on it is. We then get to have a conversation on, no, I've never had it before. I don't know why I'd use it because I'm so skilled. I don't need to use it, um, which is my most common um which is my most common response to it, which we can get to that um, because it's not true. But um, it opens a dialogue where then you can have a a conversation and a debate around, oh, but I would really like to try it. Would you be open to it? Um, And kind of gauging that. On the the no part, (laughs) it's easy to say to someone, just say no. But sometimes the the situation doesn't always lead to it feeling easy because we are by nature people pleasers most of the time. We don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be rejected and we don't want to hurt our loved one's feelings. Especially if it's like a fresh relationship and you're really 
trying to impress them. So an option is if you're not comfortable doing something but can't quite find the word no, is to try and redirect. So it's not a hard no, it's just a redirect. If they offer something that you're not into, you can be like, mm, why don't we give this a bash rather? Or how about this? Let's try this first because maybe then I might be open to doing that. Um, so you can almost hold your boundary, but also not close it off. It's not a hard no, but also a hard no is totally okay. So let's just be very clear. A hard no is also absolutely okay. You need an absolute yes in order to, to go forward with anything from both or all parties involved. That is consent. It's not a maybe, it's not a okay, fine. It's not a sure, maybe, fine, later. Oh, okay, let's do it. Those are all indications of apprehension. Mm. Take that as a good indication your partner is not giving you a hell's yes. They are not into it and they're like, oh, okay, duty calls, let's get it done. Um, and then that's more about changing it up. Then it's asking, well, what do you want to do? What would be... Can we start off with just a massage, maybe? Can I rub your shoulders? Mm -hmm. And then adjusting it from that. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there. Did I answer your Those question? are the type of tangents we love here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, We've had no, three-hour really episodes good. just based on one question. That, that That's what our listeners go for. Uh, oh, great. Okay, great. Because I can talk a hind leg off the donkey given the chance, <laughs> so especially on this podcast. <laughs> so you actually given me a great follow-up question. That, that So what happens now? If partner A wants something, partner B is like, no. Partner A then tries to deflect and it's still a no. At which point, um, or how does someone assess, if maybe they're just not compatible with that person, how do you determine that? Mm. Sure. Hard to answer because it's so individualized, right? It's everyone's story and everyone's script is so unique. None of us have the same story. Mm. So I couldn't be like, this is the answer. I guess I would more encourage the person, partner A, who's not getting what their, meet, their needs met to rather look inward and figure out for themselves what are they willing to sacrifice? Is it enough? Because in every relationship and in every dynamic, we are going to evolve and I suppose contribute a piece of us. And I never say give up and I never say sacrifice because we're not sacrificing, it's by choice. We are choosing to partake and we're choosing to gift a part of us to our partner. Um, so I guess I would, I would really encourage the person who, yeah, isn't getting their needs met. Is that worth it for you? Is that relationship worth fighting for or has it run its due course? And just because a relationship has run its due course does not mean it's a failure. Let's just put that out there. Divorce and breakup doesn't mean you had a failed relationship. It just means that that relationship ran at due course. And that is also totally okay. Some relationships are meant to end. Not all relationships are meant to run for a long duration of time with unhappy people and, need, and needs that are not met. If it is not worth fighting for, don't fight for it then. Mm. 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 You sound like Dan Savage. Thank you so much for that compliment. I love you it. See, not a lot of people get that reference. Not a lot of people get that reference. Oh, I love Dan. I am trying to keep my seen on here, though. I don't know if Dan would do the same. 
<laughs> Sorry, Dr. Jinrai, did you have a, a question there? No, I thought it was really good. Because I think we, people, you know, um, in Shona, they say, Shingirira, you know, persevere in your relationship. Yeah. And it's just refreshing to know, like, sometimes the relationship is temporary or short-lived. It's not a forever. But you, like you were saying in the beginning, you know, um, Hollywood and music has really sold us the, you know, the story that love is easy. You just need to meet this knight in shining armor Mm -hmm. or this princess and love lasts forever, but it's work. Mm. Sex is work. Absolutely. Relationships Mm. Yeah, it's like anything. If we look at our friends and our families, so not even like only in our in our romantic relationships, to relate it to anyone listening to this who's single and and is like, well, you can relate to it. It's in every every relationship. You don't have mm. friends that you don't make effort with. Otherwise, they're no longer your friends. They move on. Family members, you don't make effort to see your family or to contact them. Okay, family's a little different because they stick around, but because they'll they'll tolerate a lot more. However, the relationship takes toll, right? You're no longer as close as you used to be. You're no longer as connected as you used to be. It's exactly the same. You have to put in effort. You have to really want to connect with your person um, that to make it work. It is it is work. And I I always say, damn Disney, damn Disney for selling us this. Fantasy land of what relationships are meant to be. I want a follow up from Disney. I want Disney to do a follow up on all of the princesses. Where are they at? Where's Snow White and her polygamous relationships at? Where is Bella? Like, can we please, can we please, everyone listening to this, write into Disney and request a follow up on all of our Disney princesses? I want the real stuff of the actual work of the relationship, not the like wedding part of it where it's all fantasy and love um it i want i want what the, it really looks like mm. yeah you know? mm. so you basically want to have the uh, the the sequel to pocahontas where they have the awkward conversation about how his friends are killing all her people and she's still a teenager yes yes, <laughs> yes. definitely yeah. <laughs> um, you, you bring up an interesting note about oh yeah sorry no go ahead Doc. about dating it's a very cha- you know now we've got so many apps there's so many you know dating has completely changed in the in the last several decades right so for somebody who's single you know what is what advice would you give about dating and you know the the, the rules about have sex don't have sex all of that that happens when people start meeting what would you what would you tell a single person who's on the market and want oh. to have sex. <laughs> yeah. So point. definitely pre-negotiate with yourself. What are you wanting out of a relationship? And is what you're asking reasonable? And is it within reach um, and accessible? I think for a lot of my friends and a lot of the people I see who are single, they have this unrealistic expectation of a relationship, right? Where they want the absolute perfect, you must tick every single box. Now it's a difficult one because I'm not saying compromise on your, on, on what it is that you want and lower your standards by any means. I -hmm. think what I'm saying is more know your core values, know what you are really 
beyond what they look like with their money. If those are super important core values for you, cool. Add them on your on, on your list. But know the core values of the type of person that you're looking for beyond the Tinder profile. Um, mm. And the ones that you're not willing to sway on, um, you know, so making sure that you have your own boundaries, uh, you make your own rules, you know that you are safeguarding yourself. Also, for anyone out there, please, 101, do not send nudes to someone with your face or any identifying um, thing in the image. Mm. Please, please, yeah. please, because you open yourself up to being vulnerable to catfishing. Um, and catfishing is when someone on the other side that you think you're talking to, who's that hottie who's saying all the right things, is not actually the hottie. They are the person who gets the images, holds them ransom, and then basically blackmails you for money or other things. Mm. And then that's cyberbullying, and it can end up in a very very destructive and awful situation where your images are vulnerable. So please protect your identity and please make sure that you have your own boundaries in place with what you are willing to um, to accommodate in a person and what is it that you're seeking. And also please tell someone if you go on a blind date, let a friend know that you're going to meet someone. Don't just slide mm. into their DMs and invite them to your house. You don't know who they are. So be very, be, be wary, be wary of who's on the internet, because I think now modern dating is just so, it's so complex and it's so layered. It's, you know, we thought relationships were difficult prior. Uh, now we've got a whole other dynamic of digital on, on, to add on to the layers. And, and it really is, it's, it's something that is creating a great deal of um, disruption in, in dating, because also, if you think about how it's what it's done is really teaching us to not fight for what is worth fighting for, right? We don't want to put in as much effort because you can just check out, swipe, and you never know who's on the other side. So we're always seeking for something more. We want, oh, well, there'll be someone better on the next swipe. We just constantly swipe and swipe and swipe thinking that there's going to be another better option. So you don't really push to fight for the relationship you're currently in because you think there's something better out there. Mm. Some are worth fighting for. Um, so yeah, protect yourself, have your own boundaries. Don't be vulnerable um, with someone you don't even know on the internet because you don't know who it is. Don't put something up that you wouldn't be happy with your family seeing. Uh, if you're going to send a nude, send a tasteful nude and make sure your face isn't in mm. it. Because then it's just genitalia. It could be anyone's. Mm. Make, make sure so, it's tasteful, guys. So like add a, like a black and yeah. white filter, you know, maybe have a, like a French, a French song as the bed. So, you know, it comes across like an art house movie. I mean, make your art house movie. Just don't put your face in it. You can make whatever you want, but just don't put your face no in face, it. No face, no case. We, we keep saying it on the podcast. No face, no case. No. Um, yeah. That's a great no face no case i love that yeah, no no you can have it you can have it for free you know you no know, i actually think <laughs> we might afraid, have to bring it back there's so many dope things that you you mentioned that if 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 we had the time we'd delve deeper into them because i'm seeing there's a lot of like I, I was reading um a study um and then it, it's also linked to i don't know if you read this book called sex at dawn but the the study was like oh. how relationships 
changed literally because of popular media and Disney, because before the 1900s, relationships and marriages were of, of convenience or consolidating wealth. And romance was an abstract construct up until like, well, first popular literature, like Pride and Prejudice in the 1800s. And then with the advent yeah. of mass media in the 1900s. So that was, that was a very interesting point as well. I was also going to say that one thing that I do um, and I've advised a lot of friends to do is to sit down and write a relationship user manual. And it forces you to introspect mm. and be like, okay, this is the type of person I am. These are my boundaries. Because the other thing that that I believe in is never negotiate your non-negotiables. So figure out what those are. And yep. then if you know that, okay, mm-hmm. I'm willing to, as you said, choose to, um, well, outside of sacrifice, you said what? Um, compromise. There we go. Yep. Instead of sacrifice yeah. and compromise, yeah. I can, I can compromise here, but this is my hard limit. I think that will save a lot of people, a lot of problems because now you're not finding out three months into it about the, their weird ickiness towards lube, you, you know, from the, the, the get go and you're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have wasted my time. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's, and it is, it's, it, the thing is, is I think we go in, especially in relationships in general, right? Romantic relationship, single or and looking or in currently one. We have this thing where we want our partners to just know, right? I don't know what it is, but it's as if we think when you enter a relationship, they just become a mind reader. You must just know. You must just know that I needed a hug right now. You must just know that I, you must make me tea. Or you must just know that I was needing, I was trying to hit on you. Or you must just know. Don't assume and no one is a mind reader. I know that sounds so silly, but when we get upset, and especially in a lot of conflict that I see, there's so much internal story happening and no external story. And then when the story comes out, the partner's often like, what? That is not what I got from that story. So I always say to people, don't expect your partner to mind read. Tell them what your story is. And you can even ask each other, what story are you telling yourself? Oh, well, I'm telling myself this story because in this situation, you looked at this person and I got weird because you hinted at them that you said you would buy them a drink and then so on and so forth. And I've got this whole backstory in my brain, but in actuality, that was an old school friend. You just happened to buy them a drink and say hello and it was nothing, Mm. right? But instead, we let the conflict run away with us because... We are telling our own stories and not communicating. Again, core foundation, communication is key. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Uh, well, we don't want to keep you too long because we know you got to rush. But I think the the last thing I'll say is, um, and I think we might have glossed over it in the introduction, but you actually are Zimbabwean and you're, and you're now in South Africa. So contextually, as someone who has experience of both Zimbabwean and South African cultures, what would you say is the most common issue that couples come to you with and how would you advise them to overcome that? Mm. Mm, Great question. I would probably say the most common, the most common situation I handle with my clients is generally desire discrepancy. Mm. So Desire discrepancy is when we have, I suppose, one person who has a higher libido, maybe, and another person who has a lower libido, 
um, or the lack thereof of any desire. So not any desire, but like any intimacy. I think that, and especially post-children, once kids come into the mix, wow, that's a whole other conversation that we could have because that does change the dynamic of a relationship and it's essentially a rebirth into a new phase of your relationship. Um, and it's relearning that. But I would say in terms of desire discrepancy on wanting your partner to be more intimate with you. Uh, often what I do in those situations is I encourage people to change up their menu. You don't go to a restaurant and eat the same meal every single night, right? Mm. In the same seat, eating the same meal, having the same thing at the exact same time in the same method, you would probably stop feeling hungry for that meal. Mm. So I encourage people to change up their menu, change up the location, change up the position, change up the time, change up the day, prioritize when that is happening. I think scheduling is something that is so underrated because everyone wants this natural passion that we just, you know, drop the keys as you walk in the door and so on and so forth. But I mean, sure, there's that. That happens generally in the beginning phases of the relationship. And it can still happen on a occasion, right? But that's not going to be your every time. It's diversifying mm -hmm. your menu, but also prioritizing the time to actually get intimate. So when we take sex and intimacy on a spectrum. It shows us that it's so much more than just penetration, right? Penis and vagina for heterosexual relationships. We want the same thing at the same time because we're habitual creatures. But if we diversified, we keep things interesting. We keep the passion alive because it's different. You never know what you're going to get, where you're going to get it. But also prioritizing the time to have that is so crucial. It is not always going to be Mr. and Mrs. Smith slams like passion. It is going, it, you also need to set aside time for it. We plan literally every other aspect of our day, right? You plan what you're eating for dinner, where you're going, who you're seeing, what you're doing, what's on your itinerary for the day. Um, yet we don't plan in any intimate time. And I think when you plan and prioritize the time for intimacy and you diversify your intimacy, you're carving out time to connect. You're carving out time to meet each other where you are and to also take the pressure off of having to do it in that specific way. So it doesn't have to be penetration. It can also just be snuggling on the couch. It can also just be giving each other a back massage, um, mm. a kiss, uh, whatever it might be. It's, alleviating the pressure that intimacy and sex looks different on on everyone so um broaden your spectrum change up your menu prioritize prioritize your time mm. all right Make i that. think that's a very sound advice yeah so new if if anyone has been listening to this episode and they're like wow i love what she's saying i think i need to speak to her um how can they get hold of you Absolutely. You can grab me on my website. Uh, you can check out my website, which is www.newdavidson.co.za. Um, there you will find my email address. Otherwise, you can come and get entertained on my Instagram. It's just newdavidson. 
um, yeah, drop me a DM and I'll send you some info. Thank you so much. And I'll attest that Instagram is quite entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. That was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me.